Father, through the worship of song and through the worship of giving, uh, Lord, through an offering, through the worship of prayer, we have already experienced, God, you to a certain extent this morning. And I ask uh, God right now for your Holy Spirit. to have freedom in our service this morning. That God, that you would speak to us where we need to be spoke to, Lord, as an individual and then God as a church. And that, Father, we would see from your perspective and from your desire. And we ask these things because you tell us that we can to come boldly before you and that we have not many times because we ask not. So we ask this morning and we give you the praise and the honor and the glory. Amen. And all God's people said, oh, come on. I want to give the good. And all God's people said, all right. I see I'm, you're waking up with that. All right. So in the book of Romans, uh, Paul gives us this, and, and again, I, I, I kind of went on this last week. I'll go on it again. Everything that Paul writes in the first part of the books, he has always given us doctrine and theology on which we have the premise to believe. And then the second part of what he gives us in all of his writings is he gives us, if you do believe this, here's the doctrine, here's the theology, here's the stuff that, that this, you either believe this or you don't. Then the second part of what he does is he says, if you do believe this, then here's the next thing you need to do, and here's the practical application. So that's what he's doing here for us, is Paul is giving us that practical application. So in verse 16, I'm going to do uh, skip around a little bit through these verses of 33, uh, 15 through 33. But look with me uh, real quick, and we're going to start in verse, uh, I'll actually start in 15, and we'll go into 16. Even so, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all of you, uh, all you need is this reminder, for by God's grace, verse 16, I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring to you the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God, made holy by the Holy Spirit. So, I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. So what Paul does is he gives us a couple things first off. So somewhere around there you can start putting some notes in. And this is what Paul does first. The first thing he does is he says that you and I are a minister. Hey Jonathan, that's what we pay you guys to do. Is y'all are the ministers. Yes, we are the ministers, and that is what you pay us to do. But what Paul says is that we are all ministers, that you're a minister. No, I'm not a minister, and I don't want to be a minister. Well, guess what? You are a minister if you have a relationship with Christ. He says that you and I are a minister. This is what Paul did. He said, I'm here to Minister. This is what his desire was, is to minister. And then in verses 25 and 31, well, I'll read those to you. 25 says this, But before I come, I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. How do you like that? That reminds me that my son went to karate school yesterday, brought two boards, and the first thing he came back and did was he goes, Achaia! That has nothing to do with it, but I want you to know it have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. Listen to what they did. The, 
27, they were glad to do this because they feel they owe a real debt to them since the Gentiles received the spiritual blessings of the good news from the believers in Jerusalem. They feel that this is the least they can do in return to help them financially. So what Paul says is, first of all, there's two key words that we need to find from these verses through 33, 15 through 33. The first is, is that you and I are to minister. You are a minister. The second is that you and I are to serve. Say, I don't, I don't know how to minister, and the serve piece I get, but how do you do that? Well, here's the deal. First of all, as the church, as the church, we should help you and encourage you, and then we should actually empower you to do that. And as I said a while ago, hey, strangely enough, I know that at my age, I walk on campus, and the first thing that's happening is, okay, what's the creeper guy trying to do on campus? Why is he walking around trying to have a relationship and talk with us? I get that. Who are the best people to reach other college students? Thank you. (laughs) Who said old people? We're kicking you out of the church today. No, not old people. College students are the best person to reach another college student. That is the best thing to do is, hey, have a college student. Guess what? Tonight when we start a service on campus, we're going to pray about that in a little while. Tonight when we start that service on campus, our desire is to reach college students where they're at. That might be an easier place. Think about the people that are on the college campus. Who do you have that live there right now? You have freshmen. Hello. They kind of need to get started right with Christ, right? You have the athletes. We all know they need Jesus. And they have great influence. And then, quite honestly, think about how cool this is. Who are the other, what's the other really main group that lives on campus? The international students. Guess what? Guys, we, we don't even have to necessarily go away from here to do missions when we have an international community right on campus that, that if we minister to the campus correctly, we can have great influence and actually send people from their own homeland back to the people where they actually know the language and can speak to them and understand the culture about Jesus. That can happen. So we desire to actually put the service on campus. By the way, we're, we're calling it a church. We have partners on campus. We partner with Young Life. We partner with FCA on campus. But we are calling what we do on Sunday nights, the service over there, the church at Arkansas, and here's the service. It's 8 o'clock in the theater. The union. Why? Because we believe that college students are the best at reaching college students. We believe that. In the way that they minister to each other. And to find out how they minister to each other. And quite honestly, if you look at at who we are and who our church is and, and what we're about, then our desire is as you look at our mission statement and who we are, then we want to reach the community of Fayetteville and we want to reach the campus. And then if you look at who we are here at this church and how we do that, that, that's something that we'll get to in just a minute. So we see that Paul does two things that he says. We need to minister and we need to serve. And listen, the service part is so interesting because it's, it, it, it not only makes you feel good, but because it's biblical and it's part of God's nature and his character, even people of the world can serve other people. And what? It feels good. And it's even blessed. Let's go build a house for somebody. Let's go do this. Let's feed the poor. Let's go do this. Let's, let, let's go help these kids. Toys for tots. Whatever it is. It feels good. Why? Because it's biblical to serve. 
So you minister to people, and by the way, when you think about ministering to people, you're loving them, and you're loving them to Christ. You're loving them, helping them in their situation, all the things that are going on in their life, the circumstances of their life. You're helping them by ministering them, loving them to Christ. And then you're serving. And by the way, serving puts people off. It's kind of it's one of those odd things. By the way, I, I just, this is just for a freebie today. It's amazing what happens when I actually look at my wife as a princess or a queen and I serve her. There's an incredible response and respect that comes from when I start serving her and placing her as a priority in my life. And when you do that for other people, it throws them off. Why? Because we're used to being selfish, self-centered, and doing our own things, right? And so all of a sudden, when, when you start serving someone, it, it changes the dynamics of the relationship. And so Paul says, minister to people, serve people. And then there's some characteristics that we find from Paul's ministry that I think are important to us. This is uh, verses 14 through 22. Um, you can look with me. I'm going to jump in. Uh, let's see. I'm going to jump in about 22. So if you want to grab your scripture on the back or you can look with me, it says, In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I've been preaching in these places. But now I've finished my work in these regions, and for all these long years I'm waiting. I am eager to visit you. Why? He says why he's going to. I'm planning to do this. And then verse 25 again, he says, I must... But before I come, I must go to Jerusalem and take the gift to the believers there. There's a couple things that we find. At one point, verses 14 through 22, he's speaking to unbelievers. Who are unbelievers? Well, in today's culture, we'd say a person who doesn't know Christ. Say a lost person, a person who doesn't have fellowship with him. Anybody that does not have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we'd say is unbelievers. So Paul's first aspect of what he says we need to do is we need to be about this mission. What is that mission? That mission is to make sure that we are ministering, that we are serving unbelievers. Do we understand that? That we would be about ministering and loving and serving unbelievers. Listen, I don't get mad at unbelievers. I don't get mad at people who don't know God because of the way they're living. Why? Because they don't know God. Now, I get pretty pissy to some of y'all. Why? Because you know God and you know you're supposed to live a certain way and you're not doing that. And guess what? I'm the pastor. I'm the shepherd. So I'm going, hey, why are you living that way? Why are you doing that? You're supposed to be a follower of Christ and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I would do that with my own child, right? The self-disciplined part of that, the discipline part as a parent. But a person who doesn't know God, I'm not going to expect them to come to church and do things that godly people do. Why? They don't know God. They don't have a relationship with him. So I don't get mad at them for the way they gossip or the way they talk or what they're doing on Dixon Street or what they're doing with each other. I don't get mad at them. I don't wave a flag and go like, "Woohoo, y'all are doing great. That's awesome. Let's tell the whole world about it. But I do say, hey, listen, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what's going on in your life. Let's talk about what, what's making you happy, what's making you fulfilled, what's going on with you. Why? Because they don't know God. So Paul says the first thing that you need to understand in ministering to people and serving them is you've got to minister to unbelievers. Well, that can be uncomfortable, can it? And some of us aren't strong enough to do that. I'm, I'm going to go love on them down on Dixon Street. And the next thing you're doing, the same thing they're doing on Dixon Street. 
That would be one of those amen or oh me's, right? Some of you guys, y'all have, y'all have the great intention of missionary dating. Well, I, I know that she's not a follower of Christ, but I think I can help her to the promised land. And some of you girls, it's amazing. I mean, some of you girls are just incredibly beautiful, both inside and out. And you'll let some, I mean, scroungy dog-looking dude, because he's paying some kind of attention to you. You want to know how guys are? You want to know how they're going to treat you? See how they treat their mom. Hello. See how they treat their mom. You want to see if there's a good relationship for a girl and what you want to have with her? See how her and her dad's relationship is. And you can tell a lot about that kind of relationship. Now, you know the beauty of that is in our shortcomings and in our difficulties and in the good and the bad. You know what's awesome about God? That God takes all those shortcomings, take, takes our bad moms or our bad dads or our struggles with our own moms or our own dads, and he takes that and he sent his son Jesus to die for those sins so that you and I can be different, so that our parents' relationship with us can be different. That's what's beautiful about God. As that he says, this can be different. Your life can be changed. Your relationship can be different. God, you guys, says that we must minister and serve to the unbelievers. And Paul, when he, when he expressed this, he, he really gave a lot of who he was and what he did. He said, hey, listen, I know. I know that this is, it, it, that this is difficult and this is extreme. In fact, there's another place in, in Paul's writings where he says, why do I do the very thing I don't want to do? Hey, it's hard. It's difficult. To follow God at certain times and points in your life and you don't feel like it, especially feel like being a minister. I don't feel like being a minister. Hey, I don't either sometimes. It has nothing to do with your feelings. It has to be what you are and who you are in Christ. That's where your identity is found, is in Him. That's where your significance is found, is in Him. If I listen to what you guys said every week, I'm going to be too short, too this, too that, too here, no, this, that. You're not Matt Chandler. I know I'm not. Thank you. I have to do what God tells me to do. And you have to do what God tells you to do. And your security and who you are and what you are is found in him. It's not found in what people say. It's found in God. Right? It's found in him. And then he gives us the second part of that to, um, in 23 through 33. And this was part to, to the believers. It was the ministry to the believers. So not only do you have the unbelievers that you're supposed to minister to and to serve, then we have each other, the body of Christ. This is how we minister and serve each other. And if there's a need in this church, then we, we understand that need and we try to help fulfill that need. If there's a struggle with you financially, if there's a struggle in your marriage, if there's a struggle with some kind of eating disorder, if there's a struggle with some sort of relationship, our desire as a church is that we help minister to that need and serve you. And then we do that as a body of Christ, helping each other. And some of you can help this guy over here and some of you can help that person over there. That is what the body does. And so Paul says, not only do we minister to those who are unbelievers, but then we come together as the body of Christ and we minister to each other and love on each other. Why? So that you and I can turn around and do what? Help others who are in need. Help others who need ministry. Paul then has these characteristics that we found. This is in verse 16. Verse 16, he says this. 
I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring to you the good news. So the first thing I want you to see is that he had a message. And his message was this, one of good news. The good news of the gospel. You and I, if we are followers of Christ, we have a message that we can give to people of hope. The message of the gospel. Jesus. That Jesus died for our sins. So that you and I could have life and have restoration and be back in fellowship with God our Father who created us. And so that one day you and I would be in eternity with him. That's the gospel. And that's the hope that we have and what we can give people. And by the way, listen. If that's not not resonating with you, then you need to ask yourself questions about that. You need to ask, why is that not resonating with me? Why, why do I not want to do that first? Why is that not something that just comes out first, that, that I would want to give them the good news, the, the message? And then he says in verse 17 what his motive is. Listen to this. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. The motive was this, to bring glory to God. That is the motive. It's not about what I'm going to get from it. It's not about what this church is going to get from it. The motive behind what Paul was saying is to bring glory to God. That's what he is desiring. And then the last one in verse 19. He says this. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. In this way, I fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Ericulum. This part right here is the ministry was by the power of the Spirit. And you guys, this is where I think that most churches disconnect. This is where I believe most of us disconnect, is that we go out there and we have this program. We're trying to do a checklist of what we can do for God. I went to Bible study. I went to this. I went to that. I'm involved in this. I came to church. I actually, I actually, I stood in worship today. Man, Blake and, and Blake and Austin were singing. I, I stood in worship. I had, I had a hand up. And we feel like there's some sort of list or some sort of tilting thing that we're doing for God that, hey, did you see what I did for you today, God? I, I feel like I'm on the right track. And we feel like we're doing that instead of it being. See, it's not about doing, it's being what God wants us to do. And when we are being what he wants us to do, that happens more naturally because it's out of his spirit, not out of a list. You say, well, where does the self-discipline take place? It takes place on a daily, on a daily life because he says that I have to die to the old self. I have to be crucified. I crucify myself with Christ daily so that he can live. That's giving myself daily to what he needs to do because if I do what I want to do every day, I'm going to end up the same way that I always end up, doing the same things I always do. Here's my checklist. There's my Bible study. Here's what I'm doing. The freedom of God's spirit in you is that that becomes natural rather than forced. This is what God wants to do through me. And that's what he says will happen through the Spirit of God in verse 19, was the power of the Holy Spirit. So how does that affect us as a church? It affects us this way, you guys. I got a little chart. It's going to be up on the uh, screen for you as well, but I gave you my, my little home chart that we had here. If you don't like it, uh, I'm sorry that you don't like it. This was kind of a, 
a crazy part. In fact, uh, Greg and Alan and I made this. Your incredible money that you give to the church helped by the paper and sort of the leadership network that we went and did all this kind of thing. And so here's what you find. If you look on here, we have red people and then there's purple people. Anybody know what the red people stand for? Somebody tell me. The university. Thank you very much. That's free. Anybody know what the purple people stand for? What? Fayetteville. We'll be more detailed. Purple is the bulldog, so we'll give it the bulldogs. But it's Fayetteville. So we have the community of the university, and then you got Fayetteville over here. We'll call them purple. Okay? So our desire is that as we get the red and the purple together and mix them up a little bit at the church at Arkansas, that you'd have the red and purple mixed together. Now, that's a challenge sometimes to do that because we're a different age group. So when we were starting a church, is that an intergenerational church? How do you do that? How do you get college kids and high school and middle schools? Then all of a sudden you got people who want to love on college kids, but they got babies. Where do you put those? Do you tell them not to come to church? Right? You go, how do you do that? So here's what we decided to do at this church. This is what our mission is. We want to reach Fayetteville and the campus. That's our community. You don't see Elkins on there. You don't see Siloam Springs. You don't see Rogers. Love them. God bless them. Y'all can come down to church. That's cool. We have enough to say grace over <laughs> just over the university. And by the way, just over Fayetteville. And so our desire is as a church is to minister to those people in such a way that God would use them to go back out into their communities. So that's where they go back out of their communities. So when we look at ministering to those people, our evaluation of our church, you guys, is not how big we get. Our evaluation of our church is how you enter our church versus how you leave our church. So you might enter this church and you, you didn't even know about Christ. And someone comes and shares Christ with you and, and you meet him for the very first time. And your life starts being transformed by Jesus. Some of you might have gone to church all your life and you love it because you can come in here and spill Cokes and drinks on the floor and eat donuts. And in your old church back home, you couldn't even walk with a water bottle in the foyer. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Why ever you're here at church, our desire is not that you're just here. It's how you leave our church to go back out into the world. And obviously, because we're in a college town, that can be very transitional. Why? Because a lot of you guys are going to move away from here after college and go somewhere else. A lot of you are going to go to dental school, and then maybe one day, because you love the university and you love Fayetteville and it's incredible weather, you want to come back. You want to be in part of a church, but how are you growing in that? So when we look at our church and what we do, there's four things that you'll see, and you can't see them real good, so look at your worship guide. They're really clear on your worship guide. If you look down there, there's four areas that you see. One is a little orange one, and it has a couple of puzzles, and that's our connect. You've got to find connection to our church. doesn't matter who you are, where you are, you've got to find some sort of connection to our church. And once we find that you are connected, then our desire is that you look at the clover-looking thing and that you grow. We want to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. However that, that might be. That might be one of our men's group. That might be the women's ministry. That might be one of our home groups that you get involved in. That might be the, just the, the college. But if you look at our tag statement, 
We say that we're committed to the next generation. What does that mean? That's so broad. You're committed to the next generation. All right. What does that mean? That means you can be the oldest person in this church. And you can go back here in the back in the nursery and minister and serve by, by just keeping a little baby. So that a mom and dad has about an hour break in here to hear God's word and for them to grow. And yet at the same time that that little child is going to be ministered to and loved on and cared for. Or it might be some of you college students that remember your middle school <laughs> goofy days. And you go like, man, I, I want to help out by, by being involved in helping middle school kids. And being a difference in their life. It might be through one of our partners. Again, through, through Young Life uh, at college or on the high school level. Or our FCA. Going like, man, I, I want to be able to help one of those kids that, that I remember going through that. And, and without that, I, I might not have made it. It might be for some of us adults, it might be being a mentor to one of the college students going like, man, what, what does that look like? Well, it's simply this, is that, man, their mom and dad aren't here and you could be a part of their life by just helping them kind of to guide through these college years and to help them with questions and things that are going on. And so to us, it's important on how you grow. And, and obviously, you see the unique hand. It looks a little bit sort of space invader guy. How do you serve? Everybody's about social justice. I understand that. We want clean water. We want to feed everybody. That's why we go to Guatemala as we do that. We, we desire to do that. That's why even today, you guys, at, at 4 o'clock, if you wanted to help to help with, with, with serving the homeless and the poor, you can go to Life Source, and, and our church is, a, is in charge of the meal today. Life Source is a college at, at, at 71B, Old College Avenue, and then, um, and then MLK. It's right there by O'Reilly's. You'll see it says Big Line Life Source, and, and we're feeding about 150 people today. That'll come from what we call Tent Village. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And we're going to feed them. And, and what happens with that, you guys, is that the red and the purple, it doesn't matter what age you are, it doesn't matter if you're a family, that you come together and you're sharing that experience. And, and, and when we go to Guatemala, by the way, you'll see that in your worship guide, is we got 31 spots for our spring break trip to, to Guatemala, and, and, and here's a college kid, and, and here's a family of five, and, and here's a young professional, and all of a sudden we all go to Guatemala, and we're, and we're sweating together, mixing cement together, and, and building something, or loving on kids, and, and we're kind of smelly, and then you got to ride the bus back together, and then you're eating, and you do that for about a week, and all of a sudden when you come back to church, when you come back to church, then, then the red and purple mean something different to you. Because you've done life together. And all of a sudden, it, it, it's not so abstract. And so when you kind of look at, at how we connect and we grow and we serve, then our ultimate desire here is to multiply. And by the way, it's not about our church being bigger and it's not about a, a bigger parking lot and, and how big we get that way. I, when we say multiply, our desire is for, for you, for you to become a minister and to serve in such a way that, that, that your neighbor might come to know Christ or your roommate. Or a family member that we need to be praying about. And can I ask you a pretty bold and honest question? How, 
How many times do we actually pray over our family members or, or someone close to us or, or maybe a colleague at work or, or, or a friend? How many, how many times do we pray over them in their life and the salvation of their life? Because the truth is, is that, guys, we, we exist and we have relationships and we're here in this place called earth and we have this thing that's called a dash and I call the dash between our birthday and our death and, and that's what we call life, right? And here's this dash and here's, here's our life and, and, the, and the bottom line question is this, we'll do all kinds of good things for this world but when it's said and done, if I do just a bunch of social justice and I've never shared Christ with someone that I'm helping, then what does that mean for eternity's sake? What does that mean for eternity's sake? Because that's what it's about. It's about where they're going to spend eternity. And as we look at, at how we do that at our church, it, it, it becomes very simple for us is that, that, that we believe that that's our little model. And then you see my little dream poof over here. Choo. The little dream poof is, is that there's other college towns just like this college town that, that needs a church that understands that. Because college kids are different. And I love you college kids, wherever you are today. But you guys don't really pay for a whole lot of your seats and a whole lot of parking spots. And quite honestly, your mom and dads don't either because you still don't give their money. I love you. You give a little bit. Thank you for the donuts and the Cokes. That's about what you pay for. But our church exists to help you. So when a family of four comes here to our church, we ask them not only to pay for their family of four, but we ask them to pay for one more seat for a college student because we believe that you're invaluable to the kingdom of God and what God is going to do with you one day. That's how valuable you are to this church. And that one day you're going to be able to do the same thing as by reproducing. And I can honestly sit here and tell you, Jesse, where are you today? Jesse, will you stand up for just a minute? Our desire in January is to put Jesse in the budget because Jesse is one of these people that's right now in Oregon, at Oregon State. You can sit down. Thanks, buddy. He's there helping plan a church to do exactly what we're talking about. And that's our desire. That's how we want to minister. Austin and Blake are going to make their way up here. and This is how we're going to end the service today is just by, by singing a song, worshiping the Lord. And you guys, there's not a come join the church today. There's not a contact sheet that you got to sign. But there is something in your heart that I would say is a place of surrender to the Lord today. And the desire for that place of surrender is simply this, is that, that you would say, God, however you want to use me, in this church, or one of the partners with this church, however you want to use me in my life, God, I want to be used by you. And I promise you this, that if you want to be used by the Lord, he says he'll use you up. And some of that's just the place that you have at your business, at your work, and the way that you set a different culture because you're a Christian and you're a light. Some of that's by, by sharing with a family member that you care about to just say it's at some point, i got to ask the Lord for the right timing to be able to share Christ with them because their life is at stake for eternity. 
For some of us, you guys, it, it's, it's simply this. It's, it's there's some things in my life that I hadn't truly given over all the way to the Lord. And so the desire this morning, simply through the song, is to worship Him, to praise Him, to ask Him if there's any places of surrender that you need to surrender to the Lord and give that to Him. And then I'll close up with just a couple of announcements and we'll be finished with the day. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you for this morning. I thank you so much for your word. That, Lord, you give us instruction that Paul was very detailed, God, in giving us an understanding of ministry and service. And that, Lord, each one of us has a message. And, God, to bring glory to you, that is our motive, God, is to bring glory to you, not for ourself, not for, not for our church, but to bring glory to your name so that we might minister Lord, out of your Holy Spirit, would you just take, take these next few sec seconds and moments as we sing the song, God, to, to give glory to you and honor to you, but that we might search our hearts to know where we are and what we need to do and what we need to be for you.